It's good to see everybody here this morning. How many of you have grandchildren? Let me see your hand. All right. How many have great-grandchildren? I've got a little great-grandson. i got to tell you about him, all right? He was born on Christmas Eve. Three year, he'll be three years old this coming Christmas Eve. <clears throat> they bring him by to see me ever so often. It'd been about a month. I told my wife the other day, I said, I'm getting so I need to see Carter. And she said, well, they've been so busy and they've got a lot of things. Cody and Kara both are trying to get ready for school. And uh, so they've just got, got a lot of things going on. But anyway, yesterday they called and said they were going to come by. I got ready. And you know what I'm talking about if you've got great grandkids. I had him some, I had him a toy that I bought him. I had him some puffs. I had him some cookies. I want to get him fired up, you know. So when he got out of the car, he come running to me holding an airplane. He'd already been to the store. But anyway, we had the we had such a good time, and and uh, it started uh, it started to thunder. And you just you have to see him, or you would you wouldn't know what I'm saying. When it did the first thunder, he ran by me to the window, and he turned around and said, "We've got to go." And I mean, he grabbed the backpack and everything he had, and next thing I know, he was saying, Papa, I'll see you, and he was gone. <laughs> but we, uh, we enjoy our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, amen? God's give them to us, and we're thankful. Now, if, uh, if you saw all of my notes today, you would say, Brother Jimmy, you'll not get through in 12 to 15 minutes because I've got a bunch of them. But you know my kind of sermons. I get to a place and when I feel like it's time, we quit. Amen? You got to take a break every once in a while, don't you? I want to talk to you today on this subject. How important is the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. How important is the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? And I've got a lot of scriptures, so I'm not going to... What I want to do is this. I want to bring you up to where I need to start, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of dig in and see where we go from there. But as Jesus did his earthly ministry, quite often he would tell his disciples, I'm not going to be with you forever. I'm going to leave you. There's coming a day that I'll leave you. I'll go to the cross and I'll die and I won't be here. But then he didn't, he didn't stop there and leave them thinking, well, what are we going to do? He would say to them, the comforter is going to come. Another 
another comforter, a comforter is going to come. He'll be with you. And then in his post-resurrection ministry, after he had died and rose from the grave, he told the followers to go to the upper room and wait. Wait for that promise that had been given for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. And then on the day of Pentecost, when that was when Pentecost was had fully come, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit fell on those followers and on those believers. The church began to go out in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And church, let me remind you, that's the only way we can do it is in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we do it within ourselves, we're going to fail. We're going to fall. We'll never make it. So that's what I want to talk about today. How important is the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer? But before I dive into that subject, let me talk about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the unbeliever or the person who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me say just a word about that, please. I think it's so vitally important that I do so before I get into the other part of the message. The Holy Spirit draws people to Christ. There's a word that we seldom use anymore and uh, it needs to come back. That word conviction. You know what I mean when I say conviction? There was a time, and it should be now, and I hope and pray that it is, that when the word of God was preached, the Holy Spirit would convict those of the need of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget as a, I was a teenager in our home church. And I'll never forget this. I can, I can honestly close my eyes now and, and see this transformed. I was, there was a man and his wife who started coming. He was in his middle 80s. And he'd never been saved. He wasn't a Christian. But he started coming to church. Somebody invited him and he started coming. And I was sitting one Sunday where I could see him. And I noticed that during the message, how fidgety he was. And I thought, boy, the Holy Spirit is getting hold of that person. He's bringing conviction to that man. And during the invitation, I watched that man, white-haired, elderly, stand there and literally grip the pew in front of him. Just like he was going to just tear that pew apart. He was under conviction, church. The Holy Spirit had taken what that preacher had said in his sermon and had convicted him of a need of a Savior. Now, he didn't go that Sunday to the altar and receive Christ, but it wasn't very long after that till he did. 
and I'll never forget his testimony. 80, middle 80s, and he said this when he got up. He said, church, I've lived all of these years and missed out on the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And he said, I'm so glad at my age now, I don't have many years to go, but at my age now, I've received him as Savior and Lord and I'm, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, and I'm on my way to heaven. That was conviction that brought that man to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He needed a Savior and the Word of God being preached brought conviction to his heart. Why would a person need Jesus Christ in their life? Well, Paul talked about it in the book of Romans. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. For all, notice what Paul said, every person, every person, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, Paul said this, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, when it's all said and done, the wages of sin is death. But Paul didn't stop there. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody look up here just a second, all right? I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else, get this. The soul that lives in this body, body that's frail, body that's dying, decaying, the soul is going to live in eternity somewhere. The real you, the very moment the breath of life leaves your body and you're out of here into eternity. Your soul will live in eternity somewhere. And church is only two places. Heaven for those who have received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and hell for those who reject him and turn him away and turn him aside. Two places. And these places are real. Just as sure as we're sitting here today in this auditorium, worshiping our Savior and Lord in spirit and in truth, heaven's real and hell is real. It's real. And men and women, young people who have come to a saving knowledge, knowing they need a Savior, they need to remember that the soul is going to live in eternity somewhere and only two places. I heard this story the other day and, and I loved it and I, I wrote it down because I wanted to share it with you today. Jim Perkins is the interim pastor of First Baptist Church Decatur. That's where our membership is. I went out there several years ago as interim pastor and then as pastor and stayed there a good while and, and uh, left there and so our membership's still out there, even though we don't get to go much. But Jim Perkins told a story the other night in prayer meeting that I loved, and boy, it, was just, it just spoke to my heart. He and his wife went over to the Cove over in North Carolina. I guess Bill and Talitha know all about that. Billy Graham's place. 
the cove where you can go and they have conferences and lessons and and meetings and he, he had gone, he and his wife had gone and Will Graham was there and shared with the people what had taken place. And he said, you know, COVID-19 has been a, a divine uh, interruption in our world. It's just, it, I mean, it's taken, it's taken our world. But yet in the midst of all of this, he said, let me share with you what's been going on. He said, we had money saved to do all of our crusades. They were going to go other, other parts of the country and do crusades, other parts of the world. And in, in our nation here, they were going to do crusades and meetings. And he said, we had all of that money saved. And then we got an idea. Our television networks are suffering they're, they're suffering because of all of this going on. They don't have the ads they used to have, so we're going to approach them and see if we can get some ads on TV. So they went to ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox Network, and if you'll recall, if you've seen them, Franklin Graham was on there with a 30-second com uh, commercial-type thing, and he was telling everybody how to be saved, how to come to Christ. And he gave the plan of salvation. And here's what Will Graham said. And this is what thrilled my heart. He said, folks, the year is just, it's not even over yet. And we've had more people saved so far this time, this year, and it's not even over yet. We've had more people saved than any other year. Praise God. Amen? Yeah. Think about it. God took a thing that's, that's, that's interrupted everything in this world. And they had the idea, let's go to the TV stations. Let's buy some time. Let's share the gospel. They let them do it. And God used that and people all over this country have been saved. Thank God for that. Wow. Well, let's talk about the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer for just a moment, all right? When we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit takes up his place in our heart and in our life. The very moment, church, listen to me, the very moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, took up his place in your heart and in your life to live. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Notice what Paul said. 1 Corinthians, what? <clears throat> know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. So what is Paul saying? He's saying the very moment, the very moment you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, he comes in in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God and he lives in you. 
Now, church, I don't know about you, but that excites me. Amen? Think about it. The Holy Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that got Jesus up out of the grave, that same Holy Spirit power lives in you. Lives in you. As a child of God, he lives in us. Paul writing to the Christians in Rome, here's what he said. But be ye not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Notice what Paul said. If, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Romans 8 and 9. And as I said a moment ago, on Jesus on his way to the cross encouraged his followers and he said, I pray, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever and ever. That's John 14, 16. If you're a child of God, let me encourage you. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He lives in you in his presence and in his power. Well, the Holy Spirit's a person. It's not an it. He's a person. There are some things that we can do to hurt the Holy Spirit. Paul talked about this in Ephesians 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieving means intense suffering. In other words, we, we grieve God's heart when we fail Him, when we sin. Then he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, quench not the spirit. Quench means to cool off or to, or to cool down or to stop. Just stop the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many times as a, as a pastor through the years, I've had somebody come up to me after the service and, and say something like this. Brother Jim, I just felt like shouting today. And I've said to them, well, why didn't you? Amen? <laughs> if you felt like it, if God moved in your heart to shout, why didn't you shout? And I've had people say, well, I, boy, I'll tell you what, the choir singing that great song, I just want to raise my hand and praise the Lord. Why didn't they do it? See, what's, what, what's that called? That's called quenching the Spirit of God. When God moves on your heart to do something, in worship and praise to him. See, we're, we're, church, we're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And when he moves on our heart to do something, we don't do it. We quench the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at some functions of the Holy Spirit in the church for just a moment. The Holy Spirit speaks to the church. He speaks to the church. He's speaking here this morning. Well, Brother Jim, how does he speak? He speaks through the Bible, through his word. His word being read or preached or studied. He speaks to us. He speaks to us through sermons. He speaks to us through music. That last song that Brother Ron did with the choir, wasn't that great? Great song that spoke to my heart. He speaks to us through prayer. 
See, the Holy Spirit will never lead us in the wrong direction. Don't ever be afraid. The Holy Spirit's not going to embarrass you. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. He'll always lead you in the right direction. Bible says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In other words, acknowledge him, acknowledge the Holy Spirit, acknowledge his work, acknowledge him, and he'll direct our paths. Then the Holy Spirit creates fellowship within the church. Most of the time when we say the word fellowship, what do we think about? Say it. That's exactly right. When you think about fellowship, you think about food, eating. But see, fellowship means that we're together, loving each other, caring for each other. And the early church was, was, in, the Holy, was in the Holy Spirit of God in one mind and one accord. They had fellowship together. Through Christ, we're equal and free. All of us are equal and free in the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit unites the church. Not only does the Holy Spirit bring us together in fellowship, the Holy Spirit unites the church. Paul said to the, uh, to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, there's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and the Father of all and in you all. Now, I want to make a statement today, and I hope you'll listen very closely. If a church is together, united, as they should be, there should never be a church split. Never should be a church split. But there are churches everywhere that's split off, split off, split off. You know why? Number one, pet traditions that we won't give up. We've done it that way, you know, forever. <laughs> what if God wanted us to change? What would we do? We better change, hadn't we, church? God wants us to. Power struggles. <laughs> I preacher, I might have told you this if I have chalk it up and say he's getting old. I was at my first church. I was still in Bible college and a, and a pastor up the road from where I, was, where I was pastoring wanted me to preach a revival for him, so I went. And uh, we got there one night and wasn't anybody to play the piano. And not only was there, wasn't anybody to play the piano, it was locked up. Kay, are you listening? She wouldn't do this, I know. But I said to the pastor, I said, what's wrong? He said, she's the only one that plays that piano, and when she's not coming, she locks it up and nobody can play it. And I thought, my Lord, where are we? Folks, listen, let me say it again. If we're united together as a church, there should never be a church split. Never, never, never. Well, let me, let me hurry. 
the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church. Every believer's got a spiritual gift. You can find this. I'm not going to read it today. You can find it in Romans 12, 6, 1 Corinthians 12. You can find gifts that God gives to us, gifts of teaching and helps and giving and preaching. See, I know what my gift is. Found it out almost 60 years ago when he called me to preach. He gave me that gift. I'm not a great preacher, but he gave me a gift. And that gift was to carry the good news and share the good news and preach the gospel and pastor churches. That's what I've tried to do. Then the Holy Spirit strengthens the church. The early church, the Christians were courageous and bold. And Acts, in the book of Acts chapter 4, uh, the scriptures tell us about the boldness of Peter and John. But it's so sad that the last few years the church has been pushed around and we've kind of hid ourselves and failed to stand up like we ought to. Folks, it's time we stand up on the convictions of the Word of God. Amen? Yeah, it's time. It's time. The world wants us to be straightforward with them and honest with them and tell the Scriptures like it is. Then the Holy Spirit guards the church from false teaching and doctrine and false teachers that come. Matthew seven fifteen, Beware false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, inwardly, they are ravening, ravening wolves. They're not telling you the truth. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. And we've got them today. We've got to beware. We've got to be careful. The Holy Spirit of God is important in your life as a Christian. Let him listen and be counted. Amen? Let's stand, please. I got through every page of it. Amen? Every head bowed for just a moment. Listen to me, okay? If you're here this morning in this place and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, and your Lord, I want to invite you to come and say yes to Jesus today. If he's speaking to your heart, if he's drawing you, you know that someday the real you, the soul, is going to live in eternity somewhere. Are you ready for that? If he's your call? If you're not saved this morning, I invite you to come. Brother Jonathan's here and he'll take the word of God and tell you how to be saved. He'll pray with you and I guarantee you on the authority of God's word, he'll save you. Maybe you're here today as a child of God and you know you're saved, but you just need to come and pray. Maybe, maybe God's been wanting to do something in your life and you've pushed him aside and you've said no to him. You've quenched him. You come and pray today and seek God's face. Will you do that? Maybe you're here and you've been coming to North Etowah Church and you need to place your membership here and help us so we serve the Lord. Will you do it?
Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power, your grace, your mercy, your goodness. Thank you. I pray for this invitation. The Holy Spirit of God will speak to our hearts and draw men and women, boys and girls, to you this day. Thank you for people who are, who are being saved all across this country, even today. Thank you. But I pray for this invitation right now at North Etowah Church. Speak to our hearts and draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen.